uh, Daniel is probably going to reach out to me to talk about... He has questions about Magic the Gathering. Apparently some kid at camp has, like, a better... Has, a, has like, a good deck. And I am tempted to let Daniel borrow my elf deck, which is not, like, a tier one deck, but I assume is better than a, a deck that, like, a teenager put together. Mm. Uh... <laughs> Uh, and it would just be hilarious for Daniel to show up and just like slam this deck on, but I'm, I'm probably not going to do that because it's like worth like $500 <laughs> and I'm not afraid that Daniel would do anything. Daniel's very responsible and would be courteous of my, of my stuff. Uh, yeah. I am not, I do not have that same level of faith in the other kids at camp. Yeah. Yeah. To Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My Jesus name is Christ, Brian. Brian. <laughs> Discord cut off so much of what you did. It did not like you yelling. <laughs> I need to turn off my Discord uh, fucking uh, noise gate. So, with, like the sensitivity thing, theoretically, mm-hmm. if I turn that off, it should stop that from happening, but oh well. Um, with me, as always, is my my Discord compliant co-host August. <laughs> yes. Hello. Hello. I am August. I sometimes comply with Discord's audio requirements. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Harpydora, and I use they them pronouns. Um. Let's see. Do we have any cartoon news? Owl House started back up. Hell yeah. Season two of Owl House. Um, it's been pretty good so far. In that same vein, hey, uh, audience at home. Uh, so this is the end of season two. This is our season two finale. Um, so our kind of break episode, we're in fact going to be watching a little bit of out the Owl House. Uh, specific, we're not going to be watching any. Uh, we're going to kind of skip around because uh, I just want to show August the fun parts. <laughs> <laughs> the gay parts um so we're going to be watching the episodes lost in language enchanting grom g-r-o-m fright and then wing it like witches uh so those are the three episodes we're going to be watching uh if uh you need access to them there's places on the internet message me i have a very legal source for acquisition of these episodes hmm <laughs> Oh, also, they're on Disney Plus. So, uh, okay. I discovered that the other day. So, like, there there is actually an easy, easily accessible way to watch the episodes. Okay. Um, okay. And this is a this is a show that normally I would not encourage you to give the mouse your money. If you're already giving the mouse your money, please watch them on the mouse's streaming service. Uh, don't give the mouse any more extra money. But I like this show quite a bit, and it would be very good if they had good numbers on the streaming platform, I feel like. So, please let Disney continue to make the gay little cartoon. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other news, I 
have the woeful knowledge now that Porky Pig raps in the new Space Jam, uh, mm. and we have sinned as a species. So this is. When did that news drop? Because I swear to God, if it dropped yesterday, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. I don't know. I saw a Polygon article about it. The Polygon article had a phenomenal headline. Uh, the, or no, Gizmodo article. And it's like, In Space Jam, A New Legacy, When Porky Pig Raps, The World Weeps. What channel was that in again? Okay, Cursed. I put it in Cursed content because that's what it is. Oh, it, it, this was posted one hour ago. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, semi related to Space Jam. Did you know that the Teen Ti- Teen Titans Go is doing a, a like a, a mystery science theater f- episode where they watch Space Jam and talk about Space Jam, and also the original Monstars are there. <laughs> um, that is probably that I will. I'm going to go on a limb and say that's better than the Space Jam sequel. That's the space. That's an actual Space Jam sequel. I'll take it. Yeah, it, it there's no it, I know that you have opinions about Teen Titans Go. Mm-hmm. I have less egregious opinions about uh, Teen Titans Go, uh, but I think we can both agree that it anything Teen Titans Go has produced is probably better than Space Jam New Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> no hesitation. Uh, <laughs> so. I hate that it's 3D. I hate large portions of it are in 3D. I don't want to see these characters in 3D. Yeah. I don't want to see Porky Pig rap. Uh, he didn't uh, rap in the one in the 90s, and that's the peak people rapping in a fucking movie era. Every day we walk further and further from God's light. <laughs> Uh, Any other cartoon news you can think of? Um, no cartoon news, but I have been consuming some media recently. Oh, what cartoons have you been watching? So, I'm back on Tumblr. No, I will not share my Tumblr URL. It, it, that's not, listen, (laughs) August, you can't keep regressing through social medias. (laughs) I can and I will. I cannot um, wait till we start an episode. I'll just like, well, I restarted my MySpace page. You know what? MySpace has better uh, better security than any of the other major social media platforms out there right now anyway, so I might as well. <laughs> um, it only has security because no one, there's no one there for them to steal data from. <laughs> no, that's not true. Like, they actually locked down their fucking uh, databases and in... They did a very good job in protect- protecting the hashes for all of the users' passcodes because oh, nice. someone did hack them and they got fuck all. Oh, nice. Yeah. I tried to go to my band's old my, MySpace page and I could not access anything anymore. Oh, boy. Like, it's all, all, all of the links are broken, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm back on Tumblr and Tumblr was kind enough to show me some gift sets of a Chinese web drama called Guardian. It released back in 2018, and from what I can gather is based on a um, gay web novel, and um, it's 
it's real fun. Um, Anya and I are about five episodes in. Um, it's got kind of like a, a little bit of a goofy tokusatsu sort of uh, feel to it in a lot of ways. Um, but it's incredibly fun. Uh, the two leads have a lot of great chemistry, and uh, unfortunately, one of the leads is very genders to me, so uh, I'd, I'm helpless. I'm hooked. Does, so, is it, okay, it's explicitly gay, yes? From my understanding, the source material is explicitly gay. They had to make it platonic when they made the show because of, you know, censorship, that was going to be my uh, next question. Okay. But here's the thing. The the chemistry between the two leads is so good. It's like, there's no way they're not fucking. <laughs> like, their chemistry is so fucking good. Well, okay then. <laughs> uh, cool. But it's, it's fun. It's like a, a sci-fantasy kind of thing. Like... It's sci-fi because it technically takes place on an alien planet and there are ancient alien type deals, but it's also like there there's like like a lot of like uh magic happening. There's some wire work in there. It's uh but it's like urban fantasy almost. That sounds um, pretty cool. Yeah. Little bit of Hellboy vibes too, because there's a uh, a special investigations department that basically is kind of like the BPRD where they, they get sent in when there's like supernatural activity going on. So petition for HBO to produce a Hellboy series directed by Guillermo del Toro and just oh, get everybody God. from the movies back. Oh like, God. That he needs to, that would be so, like, I love those movies. But goddamn, could he do so much with, like, a show, I feel like, with those characters. You know who else would probably do a really good show of Hellboy? Is, hmm. uh, God, what's his name? He did Pushing Daisies and Hannibal, um, Brian Fuller. Oh, he would do a very good job as well. Like, maybe have Guillermo come in and executive produce. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you have to have Guillermo touching it at some point. Yes. Uh... Otherwise, but, it's not going to be good. Yeah. You could get a lot of directors in there who I think would do a very good job. Like, mm-hmm. I think James Gunn directing one of those episodes would be fucking dope. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Uh, so. Dave Filoni, come in. <laughs> uh, it's too busy being the, the, the new head of Star Wars. Yeah. Um... Uh, speaking of the, the mouse, uh, been watching Loki... Mm-hmm. It's really good. <laughs> it's like, do you want basically Doctor Who, but in the Marvel universe? It's frankly, better than a lot of seasons of Doctor Who. Yeah, I was I was about to say like Moffat kind of like poisoned that well for me. So like the uh, concept. See, that's my part. Like the initial the, the initial Matt Smith run of like. The, the the pawns arc is is the doctor the doctor who that I like. Uh, it's pro- almost probably exclusively because those three leads uh, could carry anything to being the best show on television. Um, but I I do very much like David Tennant. Uh, 
Capaldi was pretty fun too. The episodes of Capaldi that I watched, he had a very fun vibe about him. I but this is... I liked Capaldi, but I did not like what was going around Capaldi yeah, at same. all. I didn't like. So... Yeah, it just didn't have a very good feel to it. New lady, I cannot remember her name. Um, she's good too. I've watched a few of her episodes. Mm. Um, but it's not really. See, it has a vibe of Doctor Who, but not like in the Doctor Who sense. It's got like that sense of fan, fan, like fantasticalism that is key to the best of Doctor Who. Mm. And then just like crushing emo- emotional pathos. Um, I'm also going to do, do you do you want spo- like some spoilers that will get you to watch this show, August? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna comically bleep this next part out in the recording. Yeah, so. I'll I'll give it I'll give it a try at some point. My yeah. my bandwidth for consuming new media is very limited right now. There, and I'm I'm spending all yeah. of it on very beautiful Chinese men. That's fair. I like that the, the episodes are only about forty five minutes long, and there's only gonna be about six of them. Oh, okay, that's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, the beeping is done. Uh, <laughs> uh, part of me wants to be to real time, be, like just stretch the beep out in real time, but that would be mean to everybody. Yeah, that would be incredibly mean. <laughs> do you want? Um, do you want my beep wave that I use? Sure, I guess. I just I have beep waves. Okay, I got my own beeps. Okay. You don't think I got beeps? I got beeps. I mean, every time you say you're going to beep something out, you don't, so... I have How was I supposed out. to know? I have explicitly beeped things out before. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into yes. our episodes. So we're going to do something a little bit different this week. This week, we're review- we, are, uh, wa- we watched episodes 60... No, wait, sorry. 76, mm-hmm. 77, and 78. It could have been great. Message received in log date 7... 152. Um, I know I said it wrong. Um, we're going to kind of like roll message received and it could have been great together. And thus I'm going to give kind of like more of a truncated episode, like a plot synopsis, just so we're not here. Like it's not 20 minutes of me just like, like synopsising the episodes. Uh, and mostly because like, the synopsis doesn't do these episodes like you can summarize these episodes in pretty fucking short order. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not dense. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so episode 76, um, it could have been great, li- written by Joe Johnston and Jeff Liu. The official episode synopsis, the gyms take a trip to the moon. Hmm. That's not wrong. I mean, it's literally a thing that happened in the episode, yes, but we have previously had discussions about how you can't just cherry pick a random thing that happens in the episode and have that be the synopsis. It is almost as like you could literally just summarize the episode in the same way of saying the gems view a sunset. Yeah, (laughs) they do that in this episode. They sure do. Lion goes for a wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the episode starts out uh, with Pearl Garn and Amethyst outside laying on the barn. Uh, they're looking at Beach City. The sun's going down. It's a very pretty scene. Uh, Steven is laying against a lion. He's just 
uh, diddling about on his ukulele. Uh, Peridot comes up, and she is very confused and frustrated that the gems aren't doing anything. Steven tries to explain to her that it's important, while it's important to build the drill uh, to stop the cluster, they need to, like, you know, take time and smell the roses. Uh, it's at this point Stephen decides to explain the concept of music to Peridot uh, through Peace and Love on the Planet Earth, uh, a cute little ukulele song. Um, afterwards, they complete the gym construction, or not the gym's construction, the gym drill construction, um, though they need the coordinates for the cluster to be able to, like, drive the drill to the right place. Um, Pearl says that there's a moon base an old diamond base on the moon uh, that could have the coordinates, but there's not a warp pad directly to there. Uh, Lion Lion is, co- is sort of convinced to take them there when he uh, is said that he will not have any naps when the world explodes. Uh, so he takes everybody to the moon. Uh, while they're at the moon, we see portraits of the Diamond Authority, but in particular, blue and yellow. Um, Peridot goes on and on about Yellow Diamond. Uh, she's very she's showing that she's still very loyal to Yellow Diamond. Uh, they get upstairs, and uh, they are able to access the computer that's there. Peridot, in pretty short order, uh, gets the coordinates that they need. But Steven has some more questions about the device, and Peridot shows him what would have happened to the Earth had the Crystal Gems not stepped in. Uh, basically, they, the, the, the Diamond Authority would have hollowed the motherfucker out and, and turned it into a base of their own. Uh, the Gems are horrified by this, though Peridot doesn't seem to get that. She thinks it's pretty fucking dope. Um, they counteract that, basically saying, like, no, it's terrible. This is not, like, what we fought. Like, this is not what uh, Rose Quartz would have wanted. She thought all life on Earth was worth protecting at all costs. Uh, Peridot makes some comments that Rose Quartz was not very good at her job because the Earth is still going to get destroyed. <laughs> Uh, this angers the gems a lot. Uh, Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, with Garnet uh, threatening Peridot, uh, though Steven steps in, uh, kind of talking Garnet down. Garnet crashes the, um, smashes the console. Uh, but before they head home, Peridot grabs a, a weird crystal, and Steven notices it as we, uh, as we star wipe the end. And then message received aired the next day. Uh, it is episode 77. And it was, oh, interesting. It was written by Raven Mollesey and Paul Velico. I would I would have put money on the same writing team writing both these episodes. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, just because it's not the, the same team doesn't mean that they didn't have a... Uh, uh, kind of a close lockstep on what was going to be happening oh yeah for sure it's just like i can usually we've done this enough that i can tell i i I can tell when when there's certain writing teams doing their thing Mm. uh and like jeff liu and uh paul or no no sorry jeff liu and um uh, Joe Johnston have a tendency to write the really emotional episodes, uh, the like super serious episodes. Though this one does have a lot of like more wacky action. It's got that whole wacky action scene in it. Uh, so, 
Makes sense. I just the tones were very similar and you can kind of feel the different writing teams, I feel like, in the in the different episodes. Fair. Um uh, though I'm also I'm also surprised that uh that um Rebecca wasn't on both wasn't like getting writing credit on both these episodes as well usually because she's like she's usually in the uh or they're usually in the um finales so Mm -hmm. anyways official episode synopsis steven has doubts about believing in everyone i don't think that's true actually yeah i mean his doubts about believing in peridot well I don't know. I mean, he has doubts about his tendency to believe in different people because, like, we'll we'll get into it in the yeah. Episode. We'll get yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Just, this a is, thing to come back. Easy. Yeah, that's a thing yeah. to come back to. Yeah. Um, the gyms are outside the barn. Uh, they're inspecting the drill when Stephen spots Peridot walking into the barn with the thing that she had. Um, Stephen comes in and wants to talk to Peridot inside of the truck that's inside the barn. Uh, he asks her about the about Yellow Diamond. Uh, she goes on and on about how cool Yellow Diamond is, how good at organizing that she is, how objective that she is, um, and uh, how she could sort these this this sort of thing out. Uh, Stephen tricks her, taking the communication uh, diamond from her, locking her inside the truck with the most powerful. Uh, escape like technology that humanity has to offer child safety locks. <laughs> um, Peridot has a freak out inside of the truck, eventually explains to Steven what the the uh, diamond is, it's a communication device, a direct line to the diamonds. Um, Peridot tries to explain what she wants to do with the communicator, but Steven is hurt and betrayed and doesn't really listen to her. Uh, finally, sort of revealing the uh communicator to the gems the gems are also hurt by uh peridot betraying them in particular uh, amethyst who is takes back all of her cool names for peridot um steven is really upset about the situation and garnet tries to console him saying that's good that he believes in everybody but not everybody deserves that sort of uh that sort of faith uh and uh inside (laughs) The barn, Peridot gets into her fucking robot and fuck, begins fucking shit all the way up. Um, she steals the communicator and the gems give chase with Amethyst turning into a fucking helicopter while doing that. Uh, they eventually hunt Peridot down, knocking her over, uh, but she is able to escape from her mech, get the communicator, and while struggling with Steven, she activates it. Uh, and we get our first look at yellow fucking diamond. Not before we see a yellow pearl. Um, and it's yellow fucking diamond, uh, voiced by Patty fucking Lapone. <laughs> um, she is big and tall and menacing, and Peridot begins to give her report. Uh, she says that she's on Earth, and Yellow Diamond wants to know how the Earth is doing. Uh, Peridot says that the cluster is coming along. Um, and Yellow Diamond is like, hey, why are you behind schedule? What happened to the Jasper that I assigned to you? And Peridot uh, lies, saying that the ship was damaged when they were landing and that she lost contact with the Jasper. Um, and so 
Yellow Diamond says, all right, well, complete the, the cluster thing. And uh, maybe when you return home, I won't reduce you to, to like molecules. Uh, and Peridot interrupts her saying that she didn't just call to deliver a report. Um, she says that the Earth is a vibrant place that produces so many interesting and unique things um, that they should cancel the cluster project. Uh, and she has some interesting ways how they could cohabitate with the the things that inhabit the Earth. And Yellow Diamond says, no, uh, I want the cluster. I want that planet dead. I don't give a fuck about the cluster, actually. I just want the planet dead. I don't care what it can offer me. Um, this incenses Peridot uh, because she feels that Yellow Diamond is being illogical and not listening uh and she says that yellow diamond is wrong uh that there are in fact things on earth worth worth protecting uh that she knows more about yellow diamond who is a clod uh yellow mm -hmm. diamond loses her shit and peridot immediately after calling yellow diamond a clod hangs up and has an existential crisis uh <laughs> Uh, Which, the, fair. Yeah, the gems all uh, congratulate her for telling Yellow Diamond off. Uh, then Peridot uh, hands off the device, and they're like, hey, why do, why are you giving this to us? She's like, oh, it can be remote detonated. They yeet that motherfucker into the air. Uh, Peridot realizes that she's a crystal gem, whether she likes it or not. Star wipe the end. Oh, boy. I like the the way that they I'm going to say this right now. Like I like the way that they format the season finales like in the actual like uh sort of episode run, not like how they aired on television. Cuz mm -hmm. I like that they have like big finale in the actual last episode of the season is kind of like um like a little seasonal epilogue. Yeah, Denomont. Yeah, de thank you. Uh oh. I think that's a good little format. Yeah. Yeah. Giving giving the audience a little room to breathe is really good. It's very um, good. Um, you know that's that's like a hallmark of of studio uh, Ghibli movies giving giving the audience moments to breathe. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Ghibli, um, fuck the art in especially in it could have been great is so yeah. good. Holy shit! Yeah, that was that was my first note. Was holy shit the the art direction is so good in this episode. Um, also, Peridot has a point. They probably should be working on the gem drill. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but at the same time, it is one of those things where if you get burnt out, you're no good to anyone. Yeah, but also, also they don't know when the planet-destroying super weapons will emerge from the Earth's crust. True. I'm I just mean, saying for the sake her of, concerns are founded. Her concerns are valid, but for the sake of having a children's show where you want to demonstrate, you know, good practices to children, it's a good thing that they're taking some time off to, to recuperate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I also love uh, uh, Peace, and, Peace and Love on the Planet Earth. Is that the name of the song? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. Like, yeah. that's the refrain, at least. Yeah, peace um, and love on the planet Earth. It's got a, like, the beginning of it's got a very, like, sound of music vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really cute. I loved the interplay between Steven and Peridot. B, 
because, you know, it kind of goes back to that lesson about, you know, needing to take time for recuperation. And it's like being creative and having fun for yourself. It doesn't play does not have to have a purpose outside of just being fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, is something that is being ground out of millennials with the whole hustle culture and capitalism being a nightmare and things like that. But, you know, that's a really important message to give to kids, especially when they're, you know, like I imagine Steven Universe's target audience is probably around like 10 years old, right? Uh, Ish. Like Steven, so. you know, Steven and Connie's age, you know, 10 to 12. Because, like, I, I really feel like that's when that's when society kind of starts coming down on you when it comes to how you choose to play and what you choose to do with your leisure time. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking up so. target demographic for Steven Universe. Um, Steven Universe says it's not just a kid's show, um, but... Uh, seems to be aimed at like the like 10 to like 10 to 15 year old range yeah that tracks yeah so uh, i mean it's, the average it's would a good you like thing. to know what the average age of people watching steven universe in 2015 was 25 22 you got pretty close yeah so uh yeah so i just i deeply enjoyed that aspect of it too like that was Again, the show is really good about giving you a lesson without, like, being overt about it. Right. In subverting the lesson that you would normally, especially, like, we'll see in, like, it could have been great, so, like, presenting what would traditionally be the lesson and showing why why that kind of traditional view of that sort of thing is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, because in It Could Have Been Great... I love that they, like, because, like, it's really the lesson is building over these two episodes. Uh, yeah. And it's, like, Stephen not, like, it's the time when we see Stephen not have faith in somebody. Because yeah. if he had stopped and gotten, like, if he had put his own feelings of betrayal to the side and asked for clarification from Peridot, it would have made a lot more sense what she was trying to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it still wasn't a good idea. Uh, but she doesn't know that. She's a brainwashed little gremlin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love her gremlin modes. Uh, yeah. Her gremlin mode's really good. Very relatable. Do you like the, uh, do you like the, the artistic representations of the diamonds? Yeah. I mean, like, the, are you, uh, you're talking about on the, the moon base, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I just thought the whole moon base looked really, really slick. I love the way that Gem Tech is presented in the show. Right. Um, but if we're going to talk about the moon base, we're going to have to have a moment to talk about Amethyst and gender. Okay. <laughs> um, specifically because... Uh, you have the thing where, where Steven's jumping around and he's like, I'm a moon boy. And then Amethyst very dejectedly is like, why can't I be a moon boy? <laughs> and then Peridot launching into the the 
quote-unquote biology behind like gems and their forms and how their forms come to be and just okay so I don't think I don't think that Amethyst is necessarily a trans man I think that she's probably gender fluid especially what we know given like how she assumes the persona of the purple puma and how we know the purple puma uses he him pronouns um but just like the fact that she explicitly wants to be something that has to do with being a boy and the way that Peridot like smacks her down about that is just it's kind of heartbreaking because it's like you know we see Amethyst doing so much with her form and it's interesting that that's where Peridot's mind initially goes with that when I don't think that's necessarily what Amethyst is saying. I mean, this is probably just a fucking throwaway joke. I know this. But at the same time, it's like sometimes you can... Authorial intent sometimes does not matter when it comes to like things that may have sub- subconsciously be put, been put into the text. Well, I would um, I would honestly argue against it being necessarily just a throwaway joke. I think it is a representation of the more authoritarian ideals that the that the diamond authority represents because we've seen it already in the answer um, about like they're kind of like rigid structures about who interacts with who obviously mm-hmm. they would probably have a uh, have a serious problem with the 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 level of shape-shifting that amethyst amethyst has because of its exp- like its personal expression that it represents so i don't i wouldn't necessarily quantify it as a throwaway joke uh and especially considering like rebecca sugar's own now given rebecca sugar's obviously not the only writer on this thing um it, it is a collaborative effort uh they you know rebecca put together the like show bible but that is like you know with a lot of shows things vary from that like vary from that initial document pretty greatly um Mm -hmm. but like this is a show that was created by a person who through the course of this show had like their own sort of reckoning with gender and coming out in 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 that way so like i wouldn't necessarily write it out of the text of the show that way yeah, it's just it's just super telling to me the way that Amethyst talks about it, the way that she says that. And I don't think it's necessarily like her physical form that's the issue there. It's, you know, she she just she wants to be a boy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also like part of the dejectedness is just like the idea that the limit was placed upon her. Mm hmm. Because I am this yeah. is like the gems while they, you know, while she has butted heads in this past with the gems, they have never outright stopped and told Amethyst that she was wrong for doing for expressing herself through her shape shifting. Now, the you know, the thing she was doing while shape shifted, maybe like beating up humans who are, in fact, not immortal gem creatures. Yeah, maybe bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um or you know pushing herself to the point that she's hurting herself those sorts of things but yeah it, it, the, the core underlying idea of the of her expressing herself through her physical form 
the you know the crystal gems never put a limit on her in that way um mm-hmm. and then to be like to know that there is a like not only a limit but like a physical internal limit like this is a thing that she cannot get by mm-hmm. uh is a yeah. thing built into her form which she is not used to dealing with i feel like yeah and i think i think part of the reason I think part of the reason why Amethyst feels so different than like the other crystal gems to me as you know, and I mean, again, I don't know if this was necessarily intentional, but like, even though Pearl and Garnet have been on earth longer than Amethyst has, Amethyst was raised here. And so like, she's been more formatively exposed to the way that gender could be outside of gem expectations which isn't to say that like just because gem society is rigid that that you know invalidates like garnet and pearl you know maintaining their their gender identity as they were assigned when you know when they were grown or however they came to be but you know it's it's the idea like you know trans kids these days are growing up on the internet they have access to more information they have access to different language which you know gives them the ability to come to uh conclusions about themselves and their identity you know sooner than you know some of our trans elders so i think that kind of plays into it too yeah i think that's a very Um, good read yeah so and especially because yeah, we will we will see later on in season four, I believe, uh, or five, one of those two, uh, we will see gems from Homeworld who are expressing themselves in in radically different ways that will uh, that than what is presented by like the like you know, the, the overarching Diamond Authority sort of monoculture. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, given they're not, like, celebrated in gym society when we see them, they're, like, criminals, but we do see them. <laughs> um, yeah. So. I mean, I, and they're also, like, they're not, they're criminals because they've created, you know, they've committed, like, thought crimes, not because they're, like, mm. actual criminals. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I just, that, that sequence just made me feel a lot of amethyst feelings and feelings about gender and gems and gender um (laughs) our new term yes yeah and and especially like peridot's reaction kind of fueled a lot of that thought with you know the way that you know it's her interpretation of gender is very rigidly tied to the the function right so her for like yeah yeah she is very much a person who is like i my form my being my expressions they all have to serve like serve this serve my society Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that limit like that destroys myself as an individual yeah yeah um as we will see she's you know yeah um oh my god so um that actually kind of plays into 
uh, a piece of media I consumed recently, which I'm I'm sure you probably saw me yelling about it in the server. Um, oh, is it? The, I finally, you fi- yeah, I finally got off my ass mm-hmm. and read the "I sexually identify as an attack helicopter" short story. Holy shit! It's so fucking good. I'm so mad about the backlash that it received because it's just like this laser-focused dissection of the intersections between gender, the state, and state violence, and the way that the state will weaponize anything about a person as soon as it can figure out how to. It is, frankly... I was so confused, like, I got so confused when the backlash happened, because I, like, read it when it came out last year, because, like, why wouldn't I, with a title like that, how could you not, right? Yeah. Um, and I was so confused by people who are like, are we being trolled, like, just who, Viet, like, just turn on, like, there's no way, this is written too well <laughs> to yeah. be a troll piece, like... If it yeah, is, it's, they fucked up too bad and they became great. Like, <laughs> they they, yeah. they they fucked up their trolling and became a, a wonderful piece of media. Because it's, like, one of the best pieces of speculative fucking fiction I've seen read in, like, um, maybe ever. Yeah, it's, it's genuinely, it's going to live in my head rent-free for years to come. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, like, the way that, the way that Peridot talks about, like, Amethyst not being able to achieve boyhood because of her function being designated by the environment that she's supposed to be in, you know, does kind of, you know, kind of bring to mind the way that, you know, in the helicopter story, Barb's gender is assigned to them specifically for a purpose that is dictated by the state. Right. And you can you can broad like you can more broadly apply that to the gems in general, like the way that the you know what Pearl's purpose is, what Amethyst's true purpose is, and, you know Ruby and Sapphire's purpose, like all of those things, mm-hmm. uh, can more broadly be like put in that sort of context of like how the state def- like how state definition of you like th- the violence committed by the state like by putting you in a box by limiting your self expression by uh, by turning the idea of you into something that only fuels the machine yeah god that story's so good mm-hmm. steven universe is so good <laughs> it's true and the way that they, because we're going to get into this in later seasons, uh, and I know that, like, people have some issues with things that happen when we finally meet up with the Diamonds, uh, and the way that the show resolves it, but the the way that Steven, like, Steven Universe sort of attacks that idea as a whole, like, because the sense that there aren't bad guys mm-hmm. in Steven Universe. There's only kind of... There's frankly, there's literally only ever two characters who are in fact bad <laughs> in all of Steven Universe, uh, who don't get redeemed by not by like they choose to start the like start the work of redeeming themselves um, because of the radical kindness and the idea of you aren't you can be anything that like you are not what society dictates that you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is applied to 
all of the characters and why a lot of the bad guys come around. Yeah. Except for... And I mean... Yeah, except basically for two bad guys. Yeah, and I mean, like, I can understand, you know, the, the kind of, like, feeling about how, you know, because the diamonds are clearly war criminals, like... I can understand the feeling of not wanting them to be able to redeem themselves, but at the same time, I can see what the the important thrust of the show is about, like, you people can change and have the cap- the capability within them to do better. Yeah. Like, you know, and it kind of, like, goes to a similar place. You know, I haven't finished The Good Place uh, which is something Anya and I need to start watching again at some point. But, you know, the good place, like, the the main tenet of the show is you can always do better. And, like, being good isn't, like, a state. It's something that you work towards. It's not static. And the important thing is the work. Right. Exactly. So. And this is also a show that's not... I mean, it would be one thing if this was a show that really dealt with that sort of thing. This is a show driven about character choices and everything like the sci-fi trappings are just like are are, it's window dressing yeah it's the window dressing to be able to tell that story and it's not a story about these people in authority and the way that they abuse it it's the way that like societal pressures hurt people (laughs) and force people into things that end up hurting like forcing them to hurt other people um and and it's just like that I could never the say this is me. I'm about to go on a fucking rant about Steven Universe fans. I'm sorry. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> so if you don't li- like this isn't to say that if you you dislike those things, I also agree that like the end of the show could have been handled a little bit better. It felt very rushed because it was very rushed because the network was breathing down Rebecca's th- like Rebecca's neck about it. Um, and it could there's definitely holes in it. But uh like the nuance, like basically people saying that like Steven Universe falls apart in its later seasons. I don't think that's true. I think it becomes better in its later seasons because it doubles down on its ideas. Uh, and it like, and while I think She-Ra does a better job of like staying on mission, they also got all the time that they needed. Like they didn't get hamstrung. They didn't have to <laughs> make deals with the devil with the network just to be able to do everything that they wanted to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, uh, the, by showing these people who hurt other people, realizing that they've hurt other people and making changes about it, I think is, is extremely important. And that's why my, like, people who have criticisms about Steven Universe future, I think are maybe missing the point of what that's supposed to show. It's supposed to show that like the at the end the people who got quote like you know air quotes redeemed in the last episodes. It shows that they they weren't magically nicer people. They in fact still have incredible flaws but are doing the work to try and fix those things to to, to right the wrongs that they did. And I think that I think that's one of the more important things that Steven Universe like in its later seasons show is that like people don't just get redeemed. They have to do the work for that redemption as well. 
and we see that applied to characters who are wronged. Uh, now, given the the biggest perpetrator of the wrong things, Rose. <laughs> Uh, doesn't get to do that, but she's also dead, so I can't, like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know. So, so like, I've been, I've been attending uh, some uh, Torah study for the past several months now, and, like, it just made me remember that Rebecca Sugar's Jewish, isn't she? She is, And, yes. like, some of the, some of the things that I've learned about, like, the the ways that atonement and working towards atoning for wrongdoing works. Um, I, I think maybe that's some of Rebecca's Jewish influence showing. I never thought about that. I don't have as much experience about that. Uh, but I think that's an incredibly interesting read as well. And something to maybe keep in mind as we go, because obviously it's going to, these sorts of themes that we're seeing now that I know more about, we're going to be seeing more of, uh, you know, as the show goes along. So if you, uh, like keep that in mind, cause I would love to hear more takes on that. Yeah. Um, also I think something that may contribute towards like the ill feelings toward the overall sense of like, it's, you know, shoddy for these characters to be redeemed, I think is partially because there is the assumption that just because somebody apologizes means that they have to be forgiven. Right. Cause like, while, while we'll see in the, like in Steven universe future, like those people, like a lot of those people who do those things are still in Steven's life the the people that they've hurt don't necessarily like are still kind of holding them to like hold trying to like are forcing them to like atone for the things like they haven't fully forgiven them they've not been fully integrated you know what i mean mhm so yeah yeah so anyway um all that being said uh how about that anti-colonialism message there? Yeah, that's also very present in this show. Yeah, um, I... Also, I, how about that world map? Yeah, so I do find it very interesting. Um, the, the hole in Russia seems to be centered on a location of one of the kindergartens. Mm-hmm. Um, about a third of Africa and a third of Australia are underwater. And uh, South uh, America's fun. got a whole extra bit. Yeah, that's fun. Geography's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I I enjoyed the interplay between Peridot and Garnet with, with the way that, like, Peridot does not currently possess the knowledge to understand why she is wrong Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways like she represents the way that a lot of you know u.s culture in particular like views its colonialism because she's been steeped in all of this you know this gem propaganda you know 
probably like I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, it operates like any other colonialist empire where it's, you know, feeding its uh, citizens lies about how everything it does is good. Right. Um, and like she doesn't she doesn't know enough to know why what she's saying is wrong. And, you know, Garnet's reaction is, you know, a very sensible reaction. And also, like, there's no demand on Garnet to have to teach Peridot why she's wrong. Like, Garnet is like, hey, you're wrong. This is fucked up. But is not necessarily put in the position of she has to be an educator. Right. uh, For Peridot. And... While she is acting in anger, the like her anger is not is not taken uh, is not like looked like it's not like she's wrong for being angry. Yeah, yeah. The show the show does not shame her or paint her as being wrong for having that anger. Right, and it's really interesting that that evolves because like. Even with Peridot's sort of face turn, like, full completion to her face turn here, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Is not about... She is still seeing the Earth as how it can be useful to the Empire. And that is her way of preserving. She still cannot see it outside of its, like, material value. Yeah. Even though she's coming around to it. She's gonna get there, you know? Um, But she hasn't gotten there yet. And it's really interesting because that is like, it feels as though that is like, Peridot is like most, most of the democratic party. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Hey everybody, we hate Democrats on this show. Uh, (laughs) Um, I I don't want to speak for you, August. You all like, uh, Oh, oh, no. no, Okay. Good. (laughs) But, like, it's that it's that kind of liberal sense of, like, oh, we need to preserve this because it can offer us X, Y, or Z. And not, we need to preserve this uh, because it needs to be preserved and protected because it is, its inv- inherent value is simply that it exists. Yeah. And to Peridot's credit, she does get there. We will see as she, she makes her progress. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and... I'm certainly not going to I'm not going to go hard on the show over that because like I I feel like it handled that really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz um, I mean she the the key thing here is that she does not like th- there is no acquiescing. It's not black or white when she realizes, you know, she's coming to the real, like, we are seeing the wheels turning in her head that she's coming to the realization that the, the, she knows deep down that the -hmm. earth has inherent value because of its inherent, like, it has value because it is. That these people, the things that live here have value because they are. Um, not because of what they can give to the empire. She just needs to unlearn that shit. Uh, yeah, and that's hard to get past. It's hard to it's hard to strip that filter back. But she is begin. I feel like it does a pretty good job of showing somebody who is at the start of that journey. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, 
my favorite thing. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, in, in these two episodes is we also get yet another callback to, to Evangelion when like the, the, the light that's like pouring over Peridot's face is like the gym communicator comes up. That is an mm-hmm. Ava shot, like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, this show so, loves Evangelion so much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how about them? Uh, Peridot Pearl Parallels, huh? Right? Um, I was not, I was not expecting them. Like, I had not made the connection between, like, the way that Peridot views herself versus the way that Pearl views herself in relation to their superior officers. Now, obviously, like, Peridot's relationship with Yellow Diamond is very much not a romantic relationship but the way that she talks about herself in relation to yellow diamond when steven's asking her about yellow diamond just is so very much the way that pearl talks about herself in relation to rose quartz and it is ah, oh, it's so good it is uh oh my god and i like um and I think it's that it's that same this sort of thing that I was talking about because like we we see like people trying to like society forces them into places that hurt them and then also forces them into positions where they have to hurt others to maintain their position in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an interest. Like I would like everyone to keep that thought going forward as we see like th- that idea as we go forward as we get more and more information about rose quartz <laughs> um there's not it's not an excuse for the things that she does she eventually does but it's an interesting i feel like it's an interesting read of the character wrote mm-hmm. frankly here's my here's my secret admission guys uh i am rose quartz is one of my favorite fucking characters in all of media in the same way that i fucking love big boss uh i love a complicated war criminal (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh that doesn't mean i think they're good (laughs) people (laughs) they're both objectively not great people uh but people acting like people trying to do their their trying to do good work with broken tools is always very going to be very interesting to me. Yeah, like, I do not, like, I'm number one Rose Quartz hater on this show, but that doesn't mean that I don't think that she's a very good character. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, like, they do a very good job with making her what she is. Yeah. Unfortunately, what she is is something that I cannot like, but she's very well-crafted. It's also interesting because I was reading in one of the, uh, like, the art books. Um, or, well, I wasn't reading it in the art book. I was reading the excerpt from the art book. I need to buy both the art books. Um, mm-hmm. But Love Like You, like, the ending theme, uh, mm-hmm. Rebecca Sugar considers that to be, like, the Rose Quartz song. Hmm. Uh, which makes a lot of sense to me, who has, like, a whole lot more future knowledge. But... I thought that was very interesting. 
That is interesting. Uh, Also, going back to an earlier point, I love how in Message Received they subvert the lesson in the episode. Because, like, the kid's lesson would be, like, it's good to have faith in people, but not everyone deserves that faith. When we are shown at the end of the episode, Peridot, in fact, did deserve that faith. And if Steven had been more patient with her, we could have probably had a different outcome to this episode. But everybody... While they had faith in Peridot, the second she started showing what to them was perceived as, like, old behaviors, they gave up on that faith pretty quickly. Now, given Peridot wasn't doing a very good job of explaining things. Yeah. uh, But she, you know, she has a lot of shit to work through. (laughs) I can't fault them for, for reacting the way they did, though. Like, you know, they're... The, the gems are coming from a very particular place with regards to, like, the gem home world, their individual traumas and that kind of thing. And they, you know, they were going out on a limb to trust Peridot in the first place. So it's not, you know, especially because it's not like Peridot was around for a really long time and then did this. Like, she was around for for what like a month yeah a few weeks like you know according to what pearl said yeah so it's like you know it's remarkable that the gems were even willing to trust her this far given everything and i can't fault them for for reacting the way that they did that's true and i mean it's still a good it's still a good lesson that you you don't have to be you know patient all the way with everybody all the time. Right. Like, not everybody deserves that, and that's a, a good thing to learn. And it, I think that the important part was they had withdrawn their patience when Peridot made her face turn, so it was something that she did, like, of her own accord and not something that was necessarily directly influenced by Steven and the, the Crystal Gems. That's a good point that I didn't consider. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's a good point that like Peridot was not being bolstered by the gems to do this. She did this, like she did this plan to save, save the earth her on her own, uh, without the support of the gems. In fact, in direct opposition to what they wanted because she thought it was the best option to, 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 to save the earth. You know, uh, it didn't work out, but you know, (laughs) so it's the thought that counts in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, how do you like Patty Lapone? Is she not fucking terrifying as Yellow Diamond? Oh, oh, she's so good. <laughs> she's so good. Oh my gosh. I can tell I'm going to love to hate Yellow Diamond. Oh, it's so good. I, I thought when Yellow Diamond showed up, I'm like, oh, we're never going to see Yellow Diamond again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can't afford Patty Lapone. She shows up a lot. <laughs> uh her and blue because blue diamond shows up uh next season i believe as well either yeah i think it's yeah she shows up next season and um how do i search on this fucking terrible wiki fuck it b why is blue diamond not in the bees there she is okay uh, who is her voice actor? Okay, her voice actor is Lisa Hannigan, who is a 
like a, a Dublin based singer songwriter. Um, and I think she also has a Grammy. <laughs> Does she not? Amazing. She's an Irish singer-songwriter musician. She's the voice actress of Blue Diamond and Combi. Who's Combi? Combi. That's a comb. What is this? Oh. That character talks? <laughs> is that a- Okay, anyways, I just had my... Let me sit... I'm gonna... I'm gonna send you a picture of this gem. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh my god. Oh. That's a gem. <laughs> Apparently. I told you Homeworld gets weird. Oh my god. Yeah. Also, she voice act that thing speaks and I didn't even realize it. And I don't want it to. <laughs> um Oh boy. Um so yeah, they get they get some great voice talent for the diamonds who do phenomenal jobs as people who are not primarily voice actors. Mm. Uh, the the blue and yellow diamond, honestly, all three of the diamonds, blue, yellow, and white, uh, do fucking great jobs at at, at what they do. Because like Patty Lapone is is great, <laughs> um, and uh, she. Uh, she just brings like such an air of authority to Yellow Diamond. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man. Speaking of Yellow Diamond, that whole exchange is just rife with reaction images. Uh, you can now now you you have ventured far enough into Steven Universe to be part of the Yellow Diamond giraffe neck memes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's so good. So, um I also loved the the little comment about how not all pearls know each other. Uh here's a fun fact that we'll find out later in 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 the series. Uh that's does, a fucking she lie. Actually... <laughs> <laughs> she knows that pearl. Oh my god. She was Pink Diamond's pearl. Of course she knows that pearl. <laughs> Man, that's a really old iPhone. <laughs> it's true. I guess I guess Jim Apple doesn't do planned obsolescence as much. It's true. Yeah, um also a- amethyst having nicknames for Peridot. It's true. Peridot. It's not. very cute. Perry P. Dot. It's Peridot. very cute. It's very cute. Uh, let's see. Do I have anything? Oh, you know that room that we pass in the gym in the the, the diamond base where uh where Garnet's like that's not what we're here for. Yeah. We will come back to that in three seasons. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, all right. Do we have anything else uh, to talk about for It Could Have Been Great and Message Received? 
So at the beginning of it could have been great. Did Garnet smack Peridot's ass? Because it looked like Garnet smacked Peridot's ass. It did ass. appear to be that, yes. Okay. Garnet good game Peridot. Okay. Lots of ass smacking in this show that I didn't don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, okay. I think I think that's everything. Alrighty. Moving on to episode seventy-eight, log date seven one five two. Um, this is the last episode of season two, aired on January the eighth. It was written by Hillary Florido and Jesse Zook. Um, official episode synopsis, Steven sneaks a listen at a friend's audio diary. Um, that is a fairly accurate description of this yeah. episode. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a reasonable synopsis. Yeah. You you did it. You did it. Uh Paradise inside the barn and she is having a full-scale breakdown about what she's done. This has to be like <laughs> the same day as that, right? Next day maybe because it like sun yeah, was I'd going down at the day. end of the episode. It seems like not a whole lot of time could have possibly passed. Um, she's having a breakdown. She's listening to recordings that she's made of herself. Garnet comes in and helps Peridot calm down with Peridot handing the uh, recorder back to Steven. Uh, Steven notes that Garnet and Peridot seem to be getting along well now and considers how that uh, how hostile the relationship was on early on. He's kind of wondering why that's happening. He's got the recorder, so he starts listening to the recorder. This starts all the way back at Peridot receiving the recorder, uh, and it kind of goes through her trials and tribulations. We can basically get to see um, the Peridot arc from Peridot's perspective. Uh, it starts with Peridot uh, observing Earth, uh, noticing like the different sort of things, kind of like the wide variety of life on Earth has, watching a ladybug and wondering if other uh, creatures on, could fly. Um, to test this theory, she pushes Greg off the roof of the fucking barn. <laughs> uh, Garnet <laughs> admonishes her, saying, like, hey, Humans are soft and weak. You can't do this to them. And Greg's like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> um, and Peridot's like, she's like, you can't push them off the bard. And Peridot's like, well, how am I supposed to know that? And Garnet considers it going like, that's probably a good point, actually. Uh, she apologizes for, for Peridot uh, to uh, to Greg. Um, and Peridot determines that Garnet is, in fact, the worst. Um, the next log date, uh, we see uh, that Peridot has been assigned to uh, clean the barn. Uh, she stumbles upon a chest of clothing uh, she calls appearance modifiers that aren't melded to her body. Uh, she finds a pair of shorts. They say shorts. Those are boxers. Yeah, yeah. those are boxers. Little box alien head boxers. Um which means they're probably Greg's. Well, this is this we this barn isn't just Greg's barn. Like a lot of his family, like the people from his extended family, have also stashed stuff in this barn. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're Greg's, but they're probably Greg's. Mm. He is the alien fucker. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> he's he's Earth's number one alien fucker. Number two, Vidalia. Uh, yes. So, um, number, who's, I don't think we get to a number three. Number, we, we actually, we'll find out, well, no, none of those people are explicitly alien, like, they only fuck the one alien. They don't go, like, guy, like, and seemingly only once. So, anyways, we'll get to it. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, that's future stuff that you I cannot tell you because okay. I need I desperately need your your immediately reaction when we fi- we find that that information out. Um, okay. The um, she is discovered wearing the shorts by Garnet, uh, where she has a freak out and tears them off, screaming like a gremlin, like the gremlin that she is. Um, Stephen celebrates uh, the one month. So, yeah, she had to have been there for at least a couple of months because this is the one month anniversary when he gives her the little can shoes. Uh, she gives her can shoes little height accelerators uh, that uh, she takes. Uh, she learns about saying thank you. Wow, thanks uh, to Steven. Uh, and wears them kind of dancing around, talking to herself. She has like this a lot of like little play acting on the part of uh, of uh, Peridot here. And it's pretty fun. Um, and then this particular log ends with uh, Steven introducing Peridot to Camp Pining Hearts, uh, a Canadian uh, teen drama that I think... I am under the impression is like a sort of a parody of Degrassi, uh, but I don't. Yeah, that was that was my first instinct. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I I clicked onto the camp finding hearts thing. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, We see two characters kiss and Peridot is disgusted at the romantic scene. Uh, being like, what are they trying to do, Fuse? And Steven is very like, well, you know, when when two people really love each other. <laughs> um, Peridot's like, this is disgusting, I hate it. Uh, fast forward 78 hours, and Peridot has watched this one episode of the television show multiple times, uh, in which she has created a very complex shipping chart, um, stating that Percy and Pierre are, in fact, the superior ship in the show, not Pierre and or Percy and Paulette. Because uh, fuck, fu- fuck Paulette. Um, <laughs> uh, Garnet listens to this uh, and shows her approval by giving a thumbs up. Uh, next log, we see Peridot working on the cluster drill. Um, Amethyst and per- she watches as Amethyst Pearl fuse into Opal uh, to better fit the thing. Um, when Garnet calls for lunch um, or a break, not lunch, they don't eat. Um, well, one of them eats, but whatever. Uh, while they are, oh, oh, nope, sorry, I skipped one, I skipped an important one, uh, while they are working on stuff, uh, before, before the fusion thing, uh, while they are working on stuff, um, Amethyst comes up and starts making jokes at, um, she's morphed into a lion, um, and, uh, is making lion-based puns that are not going over well with anybody, <laughs> including mm-hmm. the people who would actually be able to get the puns. Um, Peridot here uh, asks Amethyst to turn into a chicken so she can find out what a chicken is, because we earlier saw Peridot telling jokes to herself in the mirror. Uh, she told Chicken Cross the Road joke, and she did not know what a chicken was and did not get the joke. Uh, she notes here that uh, she likes Pearl. She She's coming around to Pearl because Pearl tries really hard. And, you know, she doesn't explicitly state that, but she she can empathize with that, that feeling of wanting, uh, of trying really hard. Uh, she thinks Amethyst is cool uh, and Garnet is still a mystery to her. This is where we, we, we see the fusion thing. Um, and after Garnet calls for a break, Peridot comes over and is like, 
why are you fused all the time? And Garnet's like, oh, I like doing it. She's like, I just don't get it. And she's like, well, would you like to learn? Uh, we could fuse together. And this is where we get some of the most explicit fusion. Fusion is an intimate relationship um, <laughs> subtext where, where Peridot is like completely thrown off. Like, no, oh, God. <laughs> Um, yeah. And when they try go for a fusion dance, Peridot sort of like gets overwhelmed, gets very anxious and nopes out of it. Garnet is very understanding of that and says thank you to Peridot for trying, trying her best to understand her. And per- to which Peridot replies like, I don't, I still don't understand you. Why are you together all the time? To which Garnet replies, I'm Percy and Pierre. And Peridot's like, oh, fuck. Uh, we get one last log. This one includes Garnet. Um, and uh, it is Peridot basically saying, like, uh, she, yeah, begins with Peridot saying that she's learning more about fusion. Garnet interrupts and she talks directly to Steven, uh, saying that the, uh, saying that the log recording, saying that it, um, that's best that Steven probably shouldn't have listened to the log, but she knows that he was coming from a place of caring uh, because he wanted to understand Peridot more. Uh, she sit, ends the log by telling Steven to give the recorder back to Peridot because she's going to want it. Um, and we see Peridot and uh, Garnet hanging out. They all do kind of the thumbs up thing. Peridot returns it in kind. Star wipe the end. This is a cute this episode. This is a really cute episode. Very cute yeah. episode. I don't have a lot of notes on this episode, though. Um, first of all, the, are you gonna be okay? No. No! What a fucking mood. It's so good. <laughs> what a fucking mood. I need, I just, I'm gonna, I need to turn that into, like, a two-panel reaction comic. Yeah. <laughs> no! Yeah. God. That's so good. Um, I sympathize with Peridot, like, absolutely picking apart a piece of media in support of your OTP. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never done that before in my life. Nope, never. Not us. Uh-uh. Not, th- not on this show. No. Um, I no, Also love... not about, like, Dark Horse ships that could never be supported by canon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. I have plenty of reason to support my current OTP. Thank you very much. Listen, Cass Audi doesn't count. Um, I'm talking about like, <laughs> I'm talking about like me and my like fucking like glitter, glimmer catra ship that like I held, I held a flame for all the way up until the last season. <laughs> Fair. Um, I still love the way that Steven is so clearly invested in romance media and romance in media like that that boy is a shipper and it's adorable it, it's very very cute uh, also uh we will see more of camp pining hearts it's very oh fu- boy. it's fun because camp pining hearts uh has in in fiction has five seasons like steven universe does and also has a reboot series that we see in steven universe future oh my god <laughs> um once again is amethyst flirting maybe i feel like i feel like amethyst is kind of flirting there I feel like, like showboating for paradise i feel like her mode for dealing with people who aren't explicitly 
Pearl in, in, in Garnet are is like kind of like a general flirty mood. Maybe I don't know. I I don't know, you're right, because like we're pretty sure she and Greg boned down. We're pretty sure she and Vidalia boned down. Hmm. I don't know if that's more evidence for or against the idea of Amethyst flirting with Peridot, though. I mean, I think it's more hmm. for. I feel like she is, in fact, flirting with Peridot. She may be flirting with Peridot specifically just to fluster Peridot. Um, that's true. But she's decidedly flirting with Peridot. Um, also, yeah. I like that Peridot's ship is, is in fact, the gay one. And, like, the show yes. being like, yeah, yeah, it's all, all the gays. Yes. Um, I I appreciated that as well. Um, that was very good. I I forgot God, that Percy I, I is loved... holding a fucking container of poutine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I just that. saw that. Yeah, I'll send you. I missed that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God! Then, did you see what Paulette has? She had a Canadian flag, right? She did, but also container of a maple, maple syrup. syrup. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, apparently, know- apparently, the voice for Paulette is is Dee Dee, and the voice for Percy is uh, Michelle. Oh my god! Or Michaela, I mean, not Michelle. Sorry. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> also, I. I would like to put forward that Camp Pining Hearts is a live action show mm-hmm. because of the art style. Yes. Um not in not an in-universe cartoon like Dog Copter. Yeah, yeah, Dog Copter is a cartoon in the universe and I think because this art style kind of matches the art style used for illustrating Lonely Blade, I will more firmly say that I think Lonely Blade is live action and not an anime. Yeah, it's like a martial arts film. Yeah. yeah. This is like analyzing... We're begin, We're getting to the point where we're analyzing the in-universe <laughs> media like this is a fucking Tarantino thing. God. Oh, we are those people, aren't we? we? Fully put on our clown masks. Yeah. Um, also, the yeah, alien, the aliens on um, Peridot's like shorts come back like it's like a running motif for Peridot because it's a thing that Jesse Zook loves to draw. Aw, mm-hmm. that's fun. Uh, I love Garnet's use of Peridot's OTP to to get her to understand the situation. That was very good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I do think that the most interesting part of this episode, like there there are a lot of individual cute moments, but the most interesting part of the episode is watching Peridot's reaction to the fusion and Garnet's offer to fuse with her. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's 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 interesting, like, Garnet, like, 
it's definitely sort of like a come on vibe, right? Um, like sort of, sort yeah. of a come on. Like it's, it's very complex because like this is not a straight up thing, but like it's it's also interesting that like Peridot gets really flustered by it and nopes out of it, and Garnet's very understanding about that, which I think is nice. Um, yes, and also specifically because like. As, like, as the show goes on, like, th- there's this want to see, like, oh, what does Peridot's fusions with other gems look like? Uh, but Peridot never, fu- like, spoiler, uh, Peridot never fuses with uh, any any other gems in the show. Um, and I think it's sort of, like, I think that, I know that they said, like, one of the writers on the show reads Peridot as, like, an asexual, aromantic person. Mm-hmm. I do not have that same opinion. I feel like Paradise, in fact, it is an asexual character. I'm going to, like, this is kind of, like, the first sort of inkling, I think, of that, of, like, being uncomfortable mm-hmm. with this sort of situation. Um, now, given I don't think that she knew that, like, going into this, because it was never presented to her as an option, you know? But yeah, uh, I, I firmly disagree that Paradise is, in fact, aromantic, because, like, she seems to have... A, she has a crush on on, on Amethyst. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, she ha- like, there's no way she doesn't have feelings for for uh, for Lapis once those two become a thing. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the reason why I'm so resistant to reading, uh, to reading, uh, Peridot as necessarily. Aero Ace mm-hmm. is because she's really heavily coded as autistic, and there's a tendency for uh, neurotypical people to read characters who are autistic or ADHD as like being non-sexual people or non-sexual characters, and I think that's you know, and that's something that can subconsciously be coded into the character by the creators Mm -hmm. if they're not careful and that's like a really harmful thing now given this is one of the this is one of the writers who's explicitly stating this so don't necessarily but the text itself does not really support that reading from that that particular writer and this is a collaborative show so like just because they had that particular opinion doesn't mean that the rest obviously the rest of the fucking writing staff does not have that same opinion at one point lapis goes away for reasons and peridot uh, is listening to sad country music uh, about it. <laughs> that is, there. Oh my god! <laughs> this is a the you know, those are stero- storytelling tropes that tell a specific thing. Yeah. So. And I don't know. I mean, like my favorite part is the subtitles say "sad country music plays." If you watch that episode, <laughs> the subtitles on. I think, I think that. Even aside from the fact that Garnet is just, like, a very fucky person mm-hmm. in some respects, like, she she's really comfortable in her own skin, and, like, that bleeds out into a lot of the stuff that she's, that she's done. I don't want to say recently, but, like, you know, as she's come out of her shell, yeah. you know, for the audience. Um, but I think that... In some ways, Peridot, I'm trying to put my thoughts together because I, 
the way that gem society seems to be so rigid it's very easy for for me to infer that there is probably not a lot of like casual intimacy even platonic intimacy and like it it feels very similar in the way like how in you know american culture like platonic intimacy is kind of discouraged and you know the only intimacy that you're supposed to get of any sort is supposed to be with a romantic partner and how damaging that can be to a person and so like i mean yeah garnet you know it's fun to read garnet offering to fuse as garnet hitting on peridot but i think that the big takeaway for me is this demonstrating the way that like somebody from the gym home world has fucked up ideas about what it means to be intimate even in a platonic sense and also like knowing that she doesn't fuse with any other gems you know kind of paints a picture of somebody who doesn't necessarily you know feel comfortable or or you know want that kind of intimacy and that's okay Mm -hmm. but like it's clear that she has like some fucked up concepts of what intimacy might look like coming from the society that she does what i find interesting is that that level of intimacy is stripped away like is taken away from you depending on your level within the society because like we saw when we see in the answer we see the rubies they're all joking and roughhousing they have a relationship like Mm -hmm. they find you know like it may be built within the you know this structure but they have this relationship with one another they have like they do fuse you know um they have a level of understanding of one another that uh, like a a gym like sapphire uh who had never fused before ever even with another sapphire you know um Mm -hmm. never experienced before and i would say like probably peridot is you know in that same sort of like stratification category uh, on the yeah. societal chain, because we'll also see it because we see some. Well, way, way later we're going to see some more amethysts, um, and because they're like they are in fact like a lower, you know, lower cast gem, uh, who are, you know, because they're soldiers, they're grouped together often. They form those relationships. We'll see another gem who or another pair of gems, two topazes that are very similar to this as well. Mm-hmm. So that that that's an interesting thing to think about as we kind of continue forward, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I guess, you know, for gems who are like infantry like the rubies seem to be, that, that does kind of make sense with the way that like There's a- military establishments tend to encourage certain type of types of relationships between people to to like encourage camaraderie and stuff like well, that also it just seems as though that less there, there's less attention paid to them as individuals mm-hmm. and so they're allowed that level of expression because no one's paid no one's looking for it yeah gem society sucks it does it man. sucks shit <laughs> sucks all kinds of ass all right, do we have anything about uh, anything else about log date? 
I just really liked Garnet's use of future vision. Like, the show has spent uh, quite a bit recently reminding us that she has electricity powers, but we haven't had a lot to do with her future vision recently, and now we've gotten this, and it was very cute. It was, in fact, very cute. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, okay. Well, that wraps up season two of Steven Universe. Moving quicker now. <laughs> because <laughs> um, we're only yeah we're basically only halfway through 2021 so we'll, we'll probably i probably have season three knocked out by by january i would say maybe maybe Are earlier really than that halfway through 2021 yeah, it's july now jesus fuck. though i i feel like we'll probably have I, I have every confidence that we'll probably have season three wrapped up before the end of the year. Mm. Uh, just because we did, we, you know, we got into season one as we got into the beginning of this year. So, yeah. Um, so hell yeah. Uh, so like I said, next time we're watching the owl house season one episodes, lost in language, enchanting Grom fright and wing it like witches. Um, so watch those, give us some, give us your questions and your comments about it. Um, and join our discord. Um, when this goes out, it will be the same week as Paris is bumping 21. Uh, the wrestling event that we are sponsors of our, our podcasting guild is sponsors of, we are sponsoring the six person tag between the best business bureau and Billy Dixon and friends. Um, you can get tickets to that. It's not being streamed, apparently, uh, or not live. Oh, no. I believe the VOD, like the video on demand, will go up later. So we'll have links to that once it goes up. But I'm I'm very excited about this event. Um, let's see, do you have anything else we need to promote? Um, shit, I can't think of anything at the moment. Okay. Um, check us out on Monday nights, trying to get our feet back under us for metal or magic gear Mondays. Uh, one day we will finish fire. Uh, yeah, well, Ashlyn's Ashlyn's been having some problems with discord too. So that hasn't helped. We've been playing some cool games too. In the meantime, while we've been waiting for hopefully discord to fix itself for Ashlyn, uh, cause we played, uh, death trash. That's a, I cannot wait for that game oh. th- that game to come out. That game looks sick as yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm gonna buy that even in early access because uh, it, it's already it already plays pretty good. Um, uh, I also, in case for whatever reason, uh, Ashton's still broken. I downloaded Going Under, which I accidentally just launched. Uh, <laughs> it's like yeah, I saw RT play that. I saw yeah. RT play that. And I bought it, but I never actually got around to playing it. It showed up on Game Pass, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to play that game for free. (laughs) Um, Yeah, fair. Well, not free. I pay money for every month for Game Pass, but you know what I mean. You know, free. Yeah. Like Netflix. (laughs) Uh, Public utility. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So come check us out on Mondays. Uh, Link is in the description below. Come join our Discord. We've got a great Discord community. Uh, we talk about all kinds of shit. Um, it's a good time. Uh, 
and check out our other podcasts. You know where to find them at this point. Um, yeah. And I think that's it. Uh, we had Erica do it last. We should do it together since it's the end of the season. That's what we should probably do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, be, be like, like Cookie, Cookie Cat, Cat and, and leave, leave your, your family, family behind. behind. Peace. Peace.